Please open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21 as we continue our study. We had part one this morning. We made it through verse five. And as we always do, we try to get the messages online. If you missed it, you're welcome to have it. I have my notes if you want to see them at any time. You're welcome to it. And kids, if you fill out the lessons, there's only four more tonight. Uh, come see me for a, a prize. And that's not just bribery. It's to encourage you to hopefully write something down and pay attention a little bit. And you'll learn something about God. Well, I know the adults have very sensitive consciences, so I wanted to keep it, keep it, keep it easy. So I'm going to read our text, um, well, verses 1 through 8 of Revelation 21. Actually, let's pick it up at 20, verse 14, and we'll read through 21, 8. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life... He was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could be here at the camp Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers through the year and, again, your faithfulness to us as a church, not only at camp, but all through the years. You have been so generous and kind and merciful. You have 
heaped blessings upon us. And we thank you. We thank you for the saints. We delight to be together, to have fellowship, to sing, to study your word. And Father, I pray now that even though we may be tired, um, exhausted, we thank you that we can be here and may you illuminate your word, that we would know you better, that we would be aware that there's a, a great day coming and the best is yet to come. Thank you for your kindness to us and be pleased now to glorify yourself and encourage your people and even call sinners to run to you for life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we gave an introduction to uh, the study, even with seven points. I'm happy to share those later. Uh, We went through those verses. We we learned uh, six lessons. We said, be sure to get your um, your ideas, your thoughts about heaven from Scripture more than stories or speculation. Uh, stories about maybe you know someone who who, who died and, and they went somewhere and they people are very curious about that. But let's be sure to get our ideas about heaven and the new heaven and earth from Scripture. Second, we said, brothers and sisters... Are we looking for the new heavens and the new earth? Quoting Peter's words in 2 Peter, are we actually looking for this new heavens? And if we're honest, we probably say most of us, we we really haven't. Um, But let us start this weekend to look for, to hasten, to not only think about being with God in heaven itself, but this new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells, where there's no pain There's no suffering because we noted in in the fourth lesson, excuse me, the third was this, the new Jerusalem has her origin and ornamentals from God. The new Jerusalem came down from God. She's different. She's new, a new kind of Jerusalem. And then we said in this new Jerusalem reminded us that the greatest blessing in life and in death is to dwell with God himself. And I hope each of you would say in hearty amen that that is the greatest blessing to dwell with God. We love to see our friends. We love to see our church. And we should rejoice in that. But what a higher goal in life is to walk with God, to walk with Christ, to know God and enjoy Him forever. And then we reminded ourselves, beloved saints, your tears and pain will come to an end. This world is full of sin and misery. There is joy for the Christian, but in this world we have tribulation. We have sickness. We will face death. But one day there will be no tears and no pain for us. And finally, we noted that it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that the best is yet to come. Isn't that true? From Revelation 21, the best is yet to come. The glorious bride of Christ, including us, all the elect, saved and glorified and dwelling with God for eternity. I mean, as we said this morning, wait for it, wait for it, and it's coming. And and we just, our eyes open wide because it's the biggest blessing that we can't even imagine what God has prepared for us. Well, then moving into our new material, verse 6. Verse 6, some great, deep, profound theology in this verse. 
Then he, God said to John, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. God is proclaiming himself here to John, to the seven churches of Asia Minor, and to Pilgrim Bible Church, that he is the Alpha and the Omega. And that's why it has done all of his plans from Genesis to Revelation in, in, in the mind of God are done. It's as good as done. Notice his divine accomplishment. God made a plan from all eternity. He decreed, he has a decree of whatsoever would come to pass. And in his mind, because he's decreed it and he's outside of time, it is done. It's a sure thing. It's already been set. And we noted uh, last week, um, excuse me, with, with Tom in Genesis to meditate upon God's character. And here is a grand place to do that, to meditate on the divine accomplishment of God, His plan perfected in this new heaven and new earth. Well, it is done because of who He is, this Alpha and Omega, the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet, we'd say the A to Z, which is, a, which is an interesting description that God would use even the letters of the alphabet to describe himself, but it's profound. Jesus uh, adds the words, I am the first and the last, and of God in chapter 1, it, it adds, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty One author said this points to the totality of God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He is the supreme over everything. His eternality. He's outside of time. We we sang it in one of the, the hymns that we just mentioned. His unchangeableness. Before the throne of God above. That unchangeable character of God. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the origin and destination of all things. He's planned it, and whatever he plans will come to pass. He said, it is done. It's as good as done. We say that maybe with our kids. They ask us to do something, and you say, it's as good as done. I'll do it. Because you know, with God's help, you're going to do it. Well, this, how much more that God has made this promise, and he's declared what he's going to do in the future with a new heaven and a new earth in his mind And he tells us it is done. It reminds us a bit of what Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. It's a profound statement about the origin and goal of all things. So lesson seven, how can we not but adore your Lord? He is the beginning and the end. Adore him. Worship him. Put another word in there, a synonym for adore. Worship God. Magnify Him. Meditate upon Him. He's the beginning and the end. From Genesis to Revelation, He is the same God. When you get discouraged, when you feel out of control, when when the kids are in trouble, when you have a cancer diagnosis, when you have whatever trial you're facing, your God is on His throne and He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the high and lifted up one, the Almighty. Focus on His timelessness. 
He's in, as we say, the eternal present. There's no real past or future for God. He created time. For us, we, we reminded this morning, a thousand, um, help me out, the, 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 a thousand years is like a day to God because He's in this eternal present. So adore Him, worship Him, take encouragement in His providence. It's all according to His plan. Our plans get messed up, but God's does not because He decrees the end from the beginning. Again, compare Genesis 1 with the end of Revelation. In the beginning, God. In the end, God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Cultivate that high view of God as Tom encouraged us. Isaiah said something similar in Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and there is no God besides me. He is holy in the sense of being unique, totally other. Nobody else can say they're the Alpha and Omega, but God. He is holy. He is unique. He's totally different and totally other. So worship Him. So based upon this, I believe, He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's going to give three promises, three things He's going to do or give. And just real quick, and then we'll break them down. First, to those who thirst for eternal life, He will give the water of life freely. It's a great transition from God high and lifted up to, I will give the water of life freely. That's the first one. The second one is, to those who overcome, He will give them an inheritance and be their God. So He'll give this free water of life. He will give an inheritance. And third, and in a sobering fashion, to those who cling to their sins, He will give them what they deserve in the lake of fire. So our goal in, in our studies on heaven is to be encouraging and to encourage one another. But of course, right here, we read 20, verse 14 and 15, and then in verse 8, and we'll see it again in verse 27, that those that don't repent, God has a promise as well for them, for you if you have not repented. And it, it, it's dreadful. It's terrifying. So three things, I think we could say, based on the fact that He is utterly sovereign, the Alpha and Omega, He will give salvation, He will give an inheritance, or He will give judgment. So let's break these down. Uh, based on the fact of who He is, one author said, God gives us His title of honor, the Alpha and Omega, as a pledge of His performance. So based on who He is, this is what He will do. And this first point, he says, I will. I love to see those I wills of Scripture. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. That's the gospel. That's good news for sinners. That's good news for those who are thirsty. I like the Holman Christian Standard says, I will give as a gift. This is His grace displayed to the hearers, the seven churches, also to us. 
I will give. Just see God's gracious promise. He's promising, I will give. See his gracious power. He has the power to give eternal life and see his gracious provision, eternal life. His gracious promise, his gracious power, his gracious provision, free and sovereign grace. That's glorious. Right after we heard that he is so transcendent, we have the imminence of God, where in theology we talk that God is transcendent, he's so high and lifted up, but when he's present, it's his imminence. It's, it's his closeness coming down to us. How could it be that this God that is so high and lifted up, the Alpha and Omega, and immediately that God says, I will give to the one who thirsts. That is grace. Who does he give it to? The one who thirsts. You have to be thirsty. You have to, you have to want something. Do you thirst for eternal life with God? That's a good check. That's a good test. If you thirst for eternal life with God and with Christ, then he says, I will give to you from the springs of the water of life without cost. It's an amazing gift. It's eternal life. Maybe you read Pilgrim's Progress at the beginning when he's going toward the wicked gate and he sees it. And all of a sudden, his wife and his children are saying, come back, come back, don't go. And what you remember what he does? He puts his fingers in his ears and says, life, life, eternal life, because he's pressing into the kingdom. Well, we have to ask, ourselves, I know believers, we desire eternal life with God, but if you're not saved, even children, do you desire to have this life that we spoke about with God, communing with Him, being with Him? And of course, there's more to come about repentance and and many other things, but at least do you thirst for this eternal life? And like Bunyan's pilgrim, left his family to get eternal life. Now, by God's grace in the story, they were saved later. The second part, Christiana and the children. And that's actually my favorite part. If you haven't read it, read the second part of Pilgrim's Progress. But I always remember that that focus that he had on eternal life. You need to want to be saved. You have to desire it. And how much does it cost? He didn't say, get out your wallet. Make some donation. He says, I will give to him who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. Now, it cost him his son, but it cost us nothing. The gospel is free. So, lesson eight, with empty hands, receive the grace of God afresh. When we come to God We come to Him with empty hands. Nothing in my hands I bring. All I have to offer is my sin. So, with empty hands, receive the grace of God. If you thirst, receive the springs of the water of life without cost. Embrace the freeness of the grace of God. Yes, Jesus said, count the cost of following me. But we also see again and again that it's a free gift of God. Bask in the grace of God. 
just bask in it and the freeness that He gave this gift to us. Undeserving and actually deserving of, of that lake of fire. And yet freely, without cost, He gives us salvation. And I'm sure for eternity we'll be singing, praise you Lord for your free grace. Praise you Lord for saving me. I paid nothing. Actually, I had bad debt that he took on and took care of. Be satisfied with the grace of God. Again, saturate yourself with the grace of God. Delight yourself in the grace of God. When you read these passages and they're through the Bible, we'll read a few in in the coming moments. Listen to our brother Spurgeon. He said, be willing to have grace. Be ready, as it were, to imbibe it in the mouth of faith. We eat, if you will. We imbibe it. We take it in freely. We drink it. The gospel, the truth of God's grace in Christ. Taste it, and you will be satisfied. Charles Wesley wrote that great hymn, Plenteous grace with thee is found, grace to cover all my sin. Listen to Isaiah 55. Maybe you want to turn over. What a a wonderful passage. And we'll sing a hymn based on it at the end today. Isaiah 55. And I hope you know this passage well. Let's just listen to verses 1 through 3. Ho! You don't see that word much in Scripture. It's like behold in a way. It's amazing. Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy. Another, the gospel here in the Old Testament, the gospel of God's grace, that it's a free gift. Embrace it, taste, buy it without money. I used to have a saying, if it's free, it's for me. I was a poor, single college student struggling along, eating baked potatoes every day. So I I like frugality, still do, probably too much. Yes. But it's it's funny, but how many people here don't like a free gift? I mean, usually, you know, we, we like gifts. If someone gives you, if someone came to church on Sunday and said, I got you a gift here. It's not my birthday. It's it's not my anniversary. I just love you. Here's a gift. Can I? Wow, that's really nice. Can I? Can I pay you? No, it's free. It's all yours. God Himself is offering this gift to those that are thirsty, to those that are hungry, to those that actually have that demerits that we spoke about. So come to God. And Revelation twenty two seventeen. Remember, our passage introduces the rest of the scripture all the way to the end of 22. Listen to the the same idea. The Spirit. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. 
Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. It's right there in our face again. It's the gospel without cost. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. Put your money, your good works away. All you have is bad works. This is the good news. It's free, eternal life without cost. We'll sing Joseph Hart's great hymn, Come ye sinners, poor and needy. Without money, without money, come to Jesus Christ and buy. That is free grace, brothers and sisters. Let us exalt it. Let us proclaim it. And before you think I'm an Arminian, there's there's another part to the story. So we can't just take one verse or one sentence. Yes, you must repent. You must believe. But the gospel of Christ says it's a free gift. It's grace. Listen to a few passages. Jesus said in John 6, 25, He who believes in me will never thirst. John 7, 37, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. We'll see in 22, 1, this river of the water of life. It's one of those beautiful themes, and we've heard it in Sunday school, especially in John's Gospel. Eternal life, this free gift. Well, then moving forward, I hate to. This is, this is a great message that we all have to preach to ourselves. We preach the daily gospel that Christ died for sinners, and it's a free gift. Let us embrace it. Let us proclaim it and tell others and call them to come. But verse 7. Verse 7 sort of looks back to chapter 2 and 3, those many epistles to the seven churches. He says, verse 7, a little different, little change in direction. He just said, I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost, period. And then verse 7, he who overcomes. There's a shift from receiving the free grace of God to this new idea, new in our passage, but already mentioned in chapters 2 and 3 seven times. He who overcomes, Nikon, like Nike, to conquer, that person will inherit these things. And I will be his God. I will be his God. And he will be my son. Who will be in heaven? Those who overcome. That is a description that God gives to those who make it, if you will, who get into heaven by the grace of God, they will and they must be overcomers. To overcome means to conquer, to prevail, to achieve victory. If you're on the football team, your goal is to win, to achieve the victory. If you're running a race, your goal is to get to the finish line first, or at least to make it to the finish line. Some of us would be just glad to get to the finish line. And remember, these churches were being persecuted and they were threatened with their very lives. They had to persevere to the very end. The Holman Christian Standard says it well. The victor will inherit these things. The victor. Another describes it as that these have invincible faithfulness. They keep going to the end. Lesson 9. Two left. Lesson 9. By the blood of the Lamb, we must 
persevere to the end. So there's two parts here. By the blood of the Lamb, one, two, we must persevere to the end. Of course, I'm referring to that beautiful verse in Revelation 12:11, and they overcame him, the devil, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. They had to persevere to the end because guess what? They Some of them were killed for their faith. Some of them, they said, you say Caesar is Lord or Christ is Lord. And they had to receive that death blow to, to themselves literally to overcome, to make it to the end. They couldn't deny Christ. They couldn't shrink back with the, and we'll look at the chapter two and three of Revelation. All those descriptions of the seven churches, some of them were warned, you're starting to slide and you need to repent so that you can overcome at the end and receive the blessings of God. So by the blood of Christ, by the power of the Spirit, we must persevere to the end. In the book of Revelation, there's many phrases like this. Listen to them. And some of you mentioned them this morning, which is great. We're called to take heed. It's, it's similar. We're called to be persevering in Jesus Christ. We're called to maintain a testimony. We're called to be, the church is described as those who are repenting. Repenting and having faith. All these descriptions are in the book of Revelation of the people of God. We're we're described as those who are being pure. We're described as those who are keeping the commandments. We're described as those who are staying awake and alert. Somebody mentioned alert, I believe, this morning. That's a word in the Revelation that all of these words point to this idea that we must be going forward, as we've heard a lot in Genesis, right? We have to go forward. We have to persevere to the end. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew twenty four twelve, And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end he shall be saved. A lukewarm faith will get you vomited out of the mouth of Christ. We must be hot. We must be lit up for Christ. Not in the worldly sense. I should use a light bulb illustration. We can't be like this one that is burnt out. We must be on fire for our Lord. Because if we don't, if our love grows cold, we will not endure to the end. And sadly, we, we rejoice this morning about people who were here at this camp who are in heaven, but some that were at the camp have turned away. They've given up the faith. We have to persevere by the grace of God to the end. We, we rely upon the grace of God in Christ, but we must persevere. We will not float to heaven on flowery beds of ease. Violent men take the kingdom by force. We press forward in Christ to be overcomers. 
Have you begun in the Spirit and are now being perfected by the flesh? No, it's by the Spirit's aid, by the power of Christ that we persevere, but we must persevere. It's free grace, but Christ said, count the cost. It will cost you maybe your life. And some of our brothers and sisters in the world today do face this. They do face getting their head chopped off, going to prison. We thank the Lord we're not in that yet. But regardless, we must persevere and endure to the end. Listen and bear with me. We'll just hit the highlights from the seven churches. Ephesus, to him who overcomes this promise, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. To Smyrna, he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Pergamum, to him who overcomes, to him I will give the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone which no one knows but he who receives it. Thyatira, listen close, he who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds to the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. There's a good hint and a picture of what it means to overcome. We keep the deeds of Christ. We do the first deeds, which he said to Ephesus. Go back, repent, and do the first deeds. We keep doing them. Repeat, repeat, repeat over and over. Lord, help us. Make us to walk in the path of your commandments so that we will overcome, not by our strength, but by yours in us. Philadelphia. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. This is very similar to our passage today. And he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. Remember, there's this great parallel with Genesis, excuse me, Revelation 2 and 3 and Revelation 21 and 22. Listen to Proverbs 11:19. He who is steadfast in righteousness will attain to life. But or and he who pursues evil will bring about his own death. Even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Covenant, there's a picture of the people of God were either being steadfast, moving forward in the power of God and righteousness to a place where righteousness dwells or we're pursuing evil, and God said, when you pursue evil, you will die. And at the end of the world, there's a horrible second death in the lake of fire. So, brothers and sisters, are you steadfast in the things of God? Are you overcoming by the grace of God? Are you moving forward by the grace of God? If you say, I failed, I blew it today with my wife, I blew it with my children, I blew it in the church, I blew it at work, I blew it in my mind's eye, I sinned. Well, then we can go back to the previous verse and say, thank you, Lord, for your free grace. Wash me, cleanse me, enable me to persevere to the end. At the very end of the book, turn over to Revelation 22, 7. Jesus says to us, Blessed is he who heeds or keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. 
We have to give heed. What do we tell our kids? Pay attention. Children, did your parents ever say pay attention? I know my mom and dad did. Pay attention. God's telling us, Christ is telling us, we must pay attention, yes, to this whole book of Revelation, but particularly to these exhortations that are given and the warnings. I love what Paul says in Philippians 3. Not that I've already obtained it, or I've already become perfect, but I what? Press on. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. It is the work of God in us causing us to press on. It's like a soldier. We're in a road march. The worst thing I hated was a ruck march. You have the big backpack and then they say, put your chemical gear on. And you got your gas mask on, you got this heavy clothes and these booties over your boots, and you're carrying your backpack and your weapon, and the sweat's pulling in your mask, right guys? And you're going, but you have, you're saying to yourself, I have to press on. I have to keep going. Maybe you're at training for your sports team, and you did two laps around the track with all your gear, and you're like, I'm dead, but you have to press on. In Hebrews 11 and 12, the great hall of the faith, all those saints are telling us, press on, run to the end, overcome, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And even in Revelation, it says Jesus overcame. One of the verses says that he also had to overcome. He had to persevere through difficulties, trusting in his father, persevering all the way to the end. Yes, by God's grace, it's day by day. We don't have to run tomorrow's race today. That's tomorrow. But today, tonight, in this message right now, this evening, let us, brothers and sisters, press forward to be overcomers. As Paul the Apostle, as John the Apostle, as our Lord Jesus Christ showed us, He endured the cross, despising the shame, looking forward. Remember we said this morning we have to look forward and hasten the coming of that new heavens and new earth. The chief blessing of these overcomers is described in an amazing way. All those admonitions that I gave to myself and to you, my friends, it says that as we overcome by the grace of God, they or we will inherit these things. All that we spoke about, all those blessings we mentioned, we will inherit them, this new heaven, this new earth, something we can't even imagine. And, and... In one sense, I don't even need those other things. I need what comes next here in our verse. And I will be his God. And he will be my son. To have God as your God is all that you need, dear saint. If you're unconverted here, if God is not your God, your goal in life should be to know God through Jesus Christ. Because for all eternity... We'll just say, I'm here in my Father's house. I'm with my God. And he proclaims it. To those who overcome, I will be his God. It is an exhausting race. It can be a discouraging race. It's a hard race. But boy, is it worth it. The best is yet to come. I will be his God and he will be my son. Many of us have had messed up parents or fathers 
But God is perfect. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is gracious and He gives the gospel without cost. And He will be our God. That's why we must know who God is so that we can find encouragement on the daily pilgrim path to keep going. He is high and lifted up, the Alpha and Omega, but He gives the daily grace. And to those who overcome by His grace, He says, I will be your God. We will inherit eternal life. How long? Eternal. And what is it in the quality? It's life abundant. Yes, we have that now and we will never lose it, but it's going to be way better for eternity to be with our God. And I think that's why I like what the Puritan said, the Lord's Day is the market day of the soul when we gather to worship together, even here at the camp, and we're singing praises to God. We're opening up the Word. We're meditating. We're drawing near to God. Isn't that your delight? Well, it's going to be that times a thousand, times a million. No sin distracting us, no achy bodies, no tiredness, no sleepiness. We'll just be in utter delight. It will be the perfect time. Remember, we said, wait for it. Wait for it. It's, it's coming. It's right around the corner relatively to our 50 to 100 years. Pursue eternal life where God will be your God. Verse 8. And not, we didn't say the elders when we have our elders meeting up. We're going to choose a great, encouraging camp message. And Brett, you can conclude yours with uh, Revelation 21.8. That's the text. That's why we love expository preaching. That's why we're forcing ourselves to look at some particular verses. It wouldn't be the text you might choose, but here we are in verse 8. There's this big contrast. We saw it from 20 to 21, remember? And now in verse 8, but we just heard about all these blessings and the free grace of God and overcoming and dwelling with God, but for the cowardly and the unbelieving and abominable and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This this is no joke. This is the place that unbelievers will go. And even amazingly, we read in 20 verse 14, death and Hades will be thrown there. We don't even know what that fully means. But we do know what this verse 8 is talking about because such were we. God rescued us in His sovereign grace from being this these type of people. But for those who... Don't want to fellowship with God. I don't want to have anything to do with that God. I don't like God. And they persist in that. They have a promise of a different sort. He gives eight descriptions of those going to the lake of fire. The first one is interesting. Cowardly. Didn't we just hear a word that might be the opposite of a coward? It begins with an O. Hello. Overcomer. 
Does a coward overcome? If you're going into battle, which way is the coward running? Coward's running away. He's, he's, he's petrified. He, he's running. I knew what you meant. Thank you. He's running the other direction while the overcomer is saying, I'm terrified, but I'm going forward. The cowardly says, I give up. I'm out of here. I'm gone. He gives up. He's cowardly. This word's only used three times in the New Testament. It's a sinful fear which ultimately lacks faith. Lord, deliver us from being cowards. Free us from being cowards. Lord, may we persevere. Cowards, one said, are people who recant under persecution. And this, these churches were facing persecution unlike anything we've seen, and they couldn't recant. They couldn't give up. If they did, they would prove themselves most likely reprobate, unsaved, doomed. They were not only cowardly, but they're unbelieving. They don't have faith. It's the word faith with the uh, alpha privative, the, the negative uh, letter here. No faith. They have no faith. And you can look at verses about that elsewhere, First John 5, 4 and 5. They're also abominable. They are polluted. They are vile. Again, such were we. Murderers. You say, maybe I I haven't murdered anyone. I'm only 10 years old. Have you ever hated someone? I'm sure every one of us here has hated someone. Jesus said, if you've hated someone, it's as if you've killed them. Immoral persons, poor noise, pornea, pornography, all sorts of sexual immorality. Sorcerers, using spells, witchcraft, magic, crystals, in worship or potions, or trying to get people with voodoo dolls. Sounds very odd to us, but you can chew on that more. Idolaters, worshiping anything besides God or in place of God. John told uh, in his epistle at the end, guard yourselves, little children, guard yourselves from idols. Idolaters, people that persist in their idolatry, will land in the lake of fire. It's a serious sin. Again, Lord, deliver us from any idolatry. And then, would we put this, we've listed all these horrible, in quotes, people, and then he says, and all the liars. That doesn't seem like it should go on this list. All the liars. Children, did you know that telling a lie can get you to hell? It can. And we can tell lies not only in words, but we can say one thing and do something else, and that's a way of living a lie. These eight descriptions talk about those who are going to the lake of fire. So lesson 10, beware of thinking you're going to heaven if you're living like a heathen. And a heathen is somebody like this, cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderous, immoral, and so forth. That's what a heathen lives like. That's what an ungodly person lives like. If you think you're going to heaven because you said a prayer 
and you continue to live like you always live, you're not going to heaven. You're going to the lake of fire, to hell and the lake of fire. And we're not just trying to scare you. We're saying this is what the Bible teaches. Hell and the lake of fire is a real place. So you must repent and embrace the grace of God in Christ because there's two portions. There's two parts. There's no purgatory. There's two two destinations, heaven or hell, the lake of fire or the new heaven and earth. That's it. Two places, two paths. And I, this phrase here, their part. Did you catch that little uh, two words? Their part. It's also used in 20 verse 6. Those who have a part with Christ and reign. And verse in 22.19 it says, God will take away his part from the tree of life. A great warning. So this part is something that that is deserved. And for the unbeliever, you need God's grace. There's warnings in verse 27 and elsewhere. I read recently Proverbs 11.23, the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Beware, young people, old people. Wickedness will bring the wrath of God. So we'll conclude, and I'll just remind you of, of, you can come to me if you didn't get the lessons. We'll conclude with the blessing in Revelation 1 verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. We, brothers and sisters, have been reading this book, a few verses, a chapter, and we have been blessed. We have been encouraged as we've heard the words, as we've sought to proclaim them, the words of this prophecy of what is coming and the application for today. But again, that phrase, we must heed them. So we must look for the new heavens and new earth. We must embrace the grace of God and all the things that we mention. May God help us to do it by the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. I'd love to hear from you. If you have questions, if you're anxious for your soul, we don't want anyone to go to hell or the lake of fire. And I say, even you children, the time to repent of your sins, to turn from your sins and turn to Christ is is now, tonight, even at church camp. Run to Christ. May God encourage you, brothers and sisters, with his word. Let's pray. And then we'll conclude with the hymn. Father, we thank you for the word of truth. We thank you for these faithful and true sayings. We thank you for our Savior who wins and by his blood we can overcome and by the power of the Spirit we can take heed and press forward and persevere all the way to the end. Father, help us to run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of the faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and yet looked forward to the joy before him. 
as he overcame, may we overcame as, as well, that you would get the glory and that we would arrive in the new heaven and new earth with you to be forever with you, our God. We thank you for Christ's sake. Amen.